Welcome to the Science for Parliament podcast. This is the first of its kind which aims to foster the relationship between science and decision makers and show how research and innovation are vital to the equitable and sustainable functioning of our societies and economies. My name is Dennis Nocton. I'm a directly elected Member of Parliament in Ireland for the last 26 years and I've served as an Irish Cabinet Minister and on the Council of the European Union Ministers. I'm chairperson of the Interparliamentary Union Working Group on Science and Technology, which is based in Geneva, which aims to inspire global parliamentary action through legislative work in the field of science and technology. This podcast aims to highlight the work of innovative scientists and to get their perspective on what needs to be done to bring the world of science and policy closer together. And to add something different to the conversation, my guests will be asked to pick two numbers, each of which is related to one of 10 random questions, some of which will be asked during the interview. So on today's show, I'll be talking about the social and ethical implications of e-health with Dr. Tim Jacquemard. Dr. Jacquemard spent three months as a researcher in residence in the Irish Parliament in 2021 as part of the Science Foundation Ireland Public Service Fellowship Programme and produced a report on e-health in Ireland and the opportunities and challenges that it may pose in the future. Good morning, Dr. Jack Marrett. You're very welcome and great to have you with us today. Firstly, can I ask you to please pick two numbers between one and ten? All right. Uh, Thank you. And uh, thank you for inviting me. Uh, The numbers are two and five. Two and five. So maybe please explain to us in simple terms your research area what it's about, what is e-health, and how can it be used to improve our lives? Yep. All right. Um, so I'm Tim uh, Jackmart. I'm a senior research analyst for Trilateral Research, and my research domain is is, is quite broad. So my, I'm looking at uh, complex social issues, and I'm trying to address those with ethical AI. And part of that research domain is health. So within health, digital technology can really change how we conduct healthcare, Uh, Digital technology can change how we look at people and digital technology can have real impact on people. And what I'm doing and what I'm doing uh, within my job is looking at how we can make sure that those impacts of e-health are uh, positive. And look, I suppose in terms of digital technology and health, we all know there's huge benefits in relation to that. But from talking to constituents, they're also really concerned about how that data is going to be stored who has access to it, and how their personal information is going to be protected. How do you deal with that? Yeah, and, and, and those are really valid concerns because a lot of your information and a, a lot of information about yourself is being used for healthcare. So a doctor can ask you a lot of information about yourself. And then a lot of that information is also pertinent to your health status. But you don't necessarily want other people to know that information. And digital healthcare is interesting because there are benefits and there are challenges. So if you ask, for example, I was working in in epilepsy care. If you ask epilepsy patients, do you want people to use your data to improve healthcare and to, to look at what the efficacy and how efficient particular medicines are, then they will say, yes, please do so. But we also don't want that information then to be used for other purposes, for example, for marketing 
something or we don't like the idea if our insurance gets too much uh, access to that information. And we, we saw with the HSC hack that we don't want that information to be shared uh, potentially by third parties. So the way to address that is to very clearly identify what do you want to do with healthcare information and what do, do you not want to do with healthcare information. And then based on, on those parameters, you have to design your healthcare system. So you have to make sure, for example, that's very cyber secure, that uh, nobody else can access it. And then that those who access it, it's transparent why they access it and uh, for what purposes access that information. So that transparency is probably one of the most important things if we look at, at healthcare data and the use of healthcare data. So why did you take an interest in this particular field in the first place? Healthcare is... It's really interesting because, especially in Ireland, healthcare in relation to digital technology is really interesting. So my, my, my background is in philosophy and my background is looking at digital technology and looking at how digital technology can impact society. And if there is one domain within Ireland where digital technology can have an impact, it's healthcare. Because Ireland is, is not yet as far as maybe other countries are when creating digital infrastructure within healthcare. So it's a very interesting domain because it's an up-and-coming domain and it has real impact on people. So there's real benefits to, to, to be created, but there's also a lot at stake. How are we going to use the data? Uh, who is going to be advantaged by our use of data? Um, are we taking everybody along? Um, so there are very interesting questions around healthcare. So you spent three months in the Irish Parliament back in 2021. Can you tell me something that you learned about politics or the operation of Parliament during your fellowship? Um, I guess that has to be prefaced by uh, the familiar spiel that it was 2021 and 2021 was an interesting time for healthcare and, and digital healthcare because we had for example the COVID certificates but it also was COVID times so unfortunately we weren't placed within the Oireachtas but we did speak to uh, you other TDs we spoke to the library and research services from the Oireachtas and it, it, it was a really interesting I think one of the things that we as scientists and and researchers are not always aware of is formulate very clearly, very shortly. Um, I think the term that we most often heard was time poor. Absolutely. We yeah, we need to, to, to formulate a little bit more concisely and, and make sure that whatever you say is also being useful. And I think that, that that's useful when approaching uh, policymakers, but also in, in our wider research. Yeah, and I suppose, um, you know, in Leinster House, sometimes if you get the opportunity to meet a minister in Parliament, you might only have the time going down in the lift so it has to be very yeah. succinct even for most uh, as fellow members of parliament so what exactly were you working on on in your fellowship when you were in parliament yeah so i was developing a, a report about the state of e-health within ireland so my research had different aspects so i wanted to see what the public and the ethical issues uh, related to e-health were, what the, the status of e-health in Ireland was, like how advanced e-health in Ireland is. And I wanted to see how those policy issues were actually addressed in Irish policy. And then I ended up few recommendations around policy. And what were those recommendations? Um, so e-health has clear benefits. So there are loads of advantages and potential disadvantages related to, to e-health. 
especially within Ireland. And we need to clearly identify those in, in the context of Ireland. If we fail to identify the public values that are, for example, relevant to your constituencies, then we risk creating technology that doesn't suit the people, which will lead to failed investments and potentially public backlash. So it's very important to have a clear idea about what those public values are and how e-health can help the people within Ireland. Uh, at this stage, at the stage when, when I was researching, I didn't find a lot of evidence that those public values were, were in-depth researched or examined. So I didn't see any particular public institutions that were tasked with examining the public values. And I think that, that there's scope for improvement. So yeah. we've got a lot of knowledge within Ireland. We've got a lot of expertise around those public values. So my conclusion was, let's try to reap that. Let's try to, to see how we can improve e-health. And just following on from that, like the political cycle works on five-year periods. So what would you like to see happen with your work over the next five years? The, the five years is a, it is a bit of a constraint because e-health is here to stay and it will last beyond the five years. But what would be a good start is, is to um, identify which knowledge centers or which expertise centers can help identify the public values and help reap the benefits of uh, e-health. So you've, you've got public institutions like HICWA who have experience with health. Uh, They're the assessment. Health Information and Quality Authority here in Ireland that sets the, the standards for healthcare institutions. Yeah. Sorry, Tim. Yeah, no, no, that's a good addition. Um, they, they, for example, do health technology assessments, but the, the public values are a little bit out of, out of their scope yet. It might be interesting to, to see if that could be incorporated there. You've got the Science Foundation Ireland Research Centres, which combines a research with industry and policy. And, and they have very interesting people that work on um, the digital effects of, uh, of e-health. And then you've got companies in Ireland that also look at, at the, the social implications of digital technology. So there, there is a lot in Ireland that we can use. Yeah, and look, it's a very exciting field uh, here in Ireland with, with all that's going on. So let's uh, step back a little bit from it uh, and those two numbers that you picked at the, the start of the podcast. So tell me something that your work colleagues don't know about you. Um, I uh, the, the, the one thing that uh, they probably don't know about me is that the last five generations of my family all come from different countries. So, I, uh, so I've got... Um, an, a German grandfather, a South African father. Uh, I am Dutch and my children are now Irish. And before that, my, my, my great grandfather, he was French. <laughs> <laughs> it's really the League of Nations all together. <laughs> and in terms of your own experience, you're from the Netherlands, you're living here in Ireland. And do you have any advice for politicians in terms of engagement with scientists, both here in Ireland, but also in the Netherlands and wider afield? What would be the one piece of advice that you'd give politicians in terms of their engagement with scientists? This might sound quite trivial, but uh, contact, contact them, because all researchers I know, and I've been working in the field now for probably 10 years, they all want, they all have something to tell and they all want to tell that story. Um, so they are quite approachable. Find them through LinkedIn or even the, the, the university website, but contact them. They, they are more than happy to engage. And what do you think is the biggest barrier to that engagement not taking place to date? 
I'd say the probably two different worlds that speak two different languages at this stage. Um, scientists are notoriously probably bad uh, at explaining their research in, in layman's terms. So there's a lot of jargon being used and they remain within our own species. So we go to conferences, there's, there, there's quite some separation. Um, so I think we as scientists could also do more to be more accessible to to um to for example policymakers and, and just on that and stepping back slightly from what we're just talking about like one of the big responsibilities ethical responsibilities that scientists have is not just to publish academically but to communicate with the public in a broader sense do you think the scientific community as a whole is failing in relation to that and that if they could achieve that particular objective, it would be much easier for politicians to know who's doing the research in a particular area and who to pick up the phone to. I'm not, yeah, I, I, I don't want to say that they're necessarily failing. I, a lot of the academic work is based on, on publishing articles. So that is not not properly valued. So th that is one of the issues, I think, that, that plays a part. Um, Ireland is maybe quite good at that because they've got the, the, the SFI centres where public outreach is part of the... Yes, yeah, uh, so Science Foundation Ireland, yeah. who are the researcher funders here in Ireland, make it an obligation on, on academics to do public outreach. Sorry, Tim. So that that is that's good and that's great and, and and they should continue doing that. But if you look at the wider academic community, which is often international, um, public outreach is is often uh, not valued appropriately. Yeah. So you think that this is something that could be replicated elsewhere to try and help uh, extend that reach? Yeah. Thanks, Dr. Tim, uh, for talking to me. Uh, and remember that you can find uh, a link to his paper and to the Science for Parliament podcast, uh, whatever platform you use to find your podcast. Thanks very much, Tim. Thank you.